Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. All right, let's get started. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Verse 23 through 27. The Bible says this. Now when he got into a boat, he being Jesus, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. Verse 25, then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful? O you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. So the men marveled saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him, even the winds and the sea obey him. And suddenly there was a great tempest on the sea. Everybody say suddenly. I wanna talk for the next few moments. The title of my message today is When Suddenly Happens. When Suddenly Happens. So let's pray and ask that God would speak to us as we jump in. Can we do that? God, thank you so much for your presence. God, I thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that Uh, It's not just Sunday together when it comes to doing life with you. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday together with you. You never leave us nor forsake us. And God, we're thankful for that today. God, in fact, we realize that the only reason we're here is because you are faithful to be with us every single day. God, we need you just as much today as we ever have. We need you in our communities. We need you in our homes, in our cities, in our nation, and in our world. God, we ask through your Holy Spirit, you speak to us today. God, our desire, whatever brought us here into this space, God, I thank you that that each and every one of our desires, and I I pray our desire would be that we would leave a little bit different than when we came in. God, a little bit more like you, a little bit bit further in our faith, a little bit more hope, a little bit more joy, a little bit more love than we had when we came in. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Have you ever noticed that that suddenly happens? No, okay, just me. All right, this is gonna be really long if we don't like do this together, all right? Everyone knows suddenly, suddenly happens. And no matter how long you live, um, the reality is, is that suddenly has a way of suddenly happening. Kind of just comes out of nowhere. Maybe you've heard this statement, the rug just got pulled out from under me. You ever felt that way before? Maybe now? <laughs> suddenly kind of just has this way of happening. I wonder, what do, you, what do you do when suddenly happens? What do you do when, when the rug seemingly gets pulled out from under you? You know, because again, if, you, if you've lived for any amount of time, you, you've realized probably by now that suddenly has a way of happening without you knowing. That's kind of how it goes. It's kind of how life goes. I I remember the first time I noticed this, the first time I realized this, I was 12 years old. Um, I I played baseball my whole life, all the way up through college. And and, uh, I I loved baseball. I I breathed baseball, slept baseball, lived baseball, drank baseball, ate baseball, like baseball was everything. And uh, everybody in our family played baseball. And and uh, it was what we did. It was something that my dad and I really shared together. My, my brothers and I really shared. And um, not so much my sister, but that's okay. We're working with her through that. But it, 
but we loved baseball. When I was 12 years old, I, I remember, because again, this is probably one of the most vivid memories of my baseball career to this day. I was 12 years old, and we were playing in, in a tournament on the weekend, and, and it, was, it was Sunday, and it was, it was a championship game. And I, I was up to bat, and it was a close game. It was a game that was really close, and, and it was a really good game. It was back and forth, and, and I was up to bat, and this was the bottom of the last inning. There were two outs, and I was up to bat, and the bases were loaded. We were down two. Okay, so this is the moment you live for, right? Like, this is the moment I'm like, I'm going to quit baseball after this. Like, I'm 12. This is it. Like, I can't get any. There's nowhere more I can go. Like, I can't get up from here. Uh, I'm going to hit this. It's, it's, the, it's the moment you dream for. The moment you're in, you're in the yard, and in your head, you're going, bottom of the ninth. Two outs, bases loaded, Isaac's up. He's gonna hit a home run. Everybody's gonna celebrate him. They're gonna carry him off on their shoulders. It's gonna be the best thing ever. He's gonna quit baseball because he's the best that ever lived, right? Like that's what we talk about in the yard, in the street. And this is that moment. And I'm literally in there, in the moment, like, oh my gosh, this is it. Everybody's gonna love me after this. This is awesome. I am going to be the man. And, and the pitch comes, and, and kid you not, like I literally... I don't know if you can tell, obviously online, I know I look huge. I look big, I look swole, I look like I work out this morning, but I didn't, okay? I didn't, haven't in a long time, um, confession. And I'm not the biggest man that there is, right? I'm not the biggest man. I spent my whole life telling people I was six foot and I'm not, okay? In the shoes, maybe, but I'm not. And, and so I'm not the biggest guy. And so I was up there, I'm like, I just wanna hit it. Like I'm just trying to put, it, put the ball forwards, right? Just hit it. And I, I absolutely tee off on this ball. And the ball's going, it's that one moment in my life, I'm like, I might have actually hit that out. I, I might have, have hit a home run. And, and, and I'm going, and, and all of a sudden, the ball hits the top of the fence, and it drops down. And I'm like, oh, yes, let's go. Like, this is it. This is the moment. In my head, I'm like, I'm literally living the dream. And I, I'm running to first base, and I round first base, and the winning run is on second. And they're coming home, and the throw comes home, and he's safe. And we win, and that's the story. No, it's not. We did win. Um, the, the throw comes home and he's safe and, and everybody rushes out of the dugout and they come and it's, I'm at second base and they dogpile on me and literally this is the best moment of my life. It's literally the best moment of my life. Everybody's jumping on me. It is amazing. Like it is the moment you live for. And then something starts to happen and the umpires start conferring and then they bring the coaches in and everybody's kind of having a dialogue that you know, you know what I mean? Like when your parents are talking and you're like, ah, I don't think that that's gonna be good. And it's just like, it's like everybody's talking and you're like, I don't think this is a good thing. I really don't. I don't, I, this is good now, but I don't know how this gets better with, their, with that conversation. And they're, they're talking and then all of a sudden, suddenly the umpire screams, he's out. And you've never seen somebody go from the top of a mountain to utter despair faster than I did in that moment. Okay, like I went from everybody's dogpiling on me to screaming at grown adults as a 12-year-old thinking that I have any authority on this field at all. I'm yelling, I'm crying. Like it is the end, of, my life is over. It is the end of the world, take me now. This is horrible. I will never face anything so drastic as this moment. Come to find out, um, earlier in the game, I had thrown my bat and I got a warning. And the umpire said, hey, if you throw your bat again, you, you're gonna be out. Like if you throw it, you're gonna be out. And I, I guess, I don't know, but I was told that I threw my bat a little too far uh, when I hit the ball. And so I was 
called out and we went from winning the championship game on my hit being celebrated to losing the championship game because of me. And suddenly I was up here and then I was down here. Afterwards, we were looking forward to snack time, right? Because that's what you do when you're crying. You're like, hey, here's a snack. I feel better. <laughs> and and a snack, but my dad wouldn't let me have this snack. He's like, no, no crying in baseball, no snack. And my dad's a really great guy, but that's just how we did things. That's how we did baseball. And, and I, I kid you not, a true story, I spent the next hour and a half at the field when everybody else left, everybody else got their ice cream sticks uh, or their ice cream uh, sandwiches. My dad throwing pitches to me, I'd hit it. I'd have to physically set the bat down and then run to first base. For, for like an hour. I'm 12, right? Isn't that terrible? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but, that's, but suddenly in a moment, I, I was up here. Everything was going great. This is the moment I had dreamed for. Everything I had planned, everything I had prepared for, everything I had practiced was right there. And in a moment, it was gone. In a moment, it was actually my fault. In a moment, we had lost. Now I got to figure out, now what do I do? And I know that that's kind of a funny story. It's a silly story. And I was 12. And, but the reality is, is that sometimes life actually happens much like that, doesn't it? You got plans. Like you are doing fantastic. You, you've got, okay, I'm going to go to this job and then this job. And then I'm going to ultimately get here. And it's going to be great. And this is going to be my salary. And man, this is, I, I got to get my savings to this point. And then, man, I'm going to get my kids into this school. And then this happens. And then this, and then all of a sudden now they're online and now my savings is depleted. Now that job doesn't work out. And all of a sudden it's just the rug is like pulled out from under you. What do you do when suddenly happens? Because suddenly does in fact happen. In fact, you know, one of the things that, I, that I've found in following Jesus is that suddenly actually tends to happen more following Jesus than, I, than it did before. I, I think one of the things that we fail to realize in, this, in this, this faith journey that we're on is that following Jesus is gonna lead you to some suddenly places. It's gonna lead you to some moments when suddenly happens. And I wonder, what do you do when suddenly happens? How do you respond? My daughter's two right now, and, and her like new thing is screaming. Um, I don't know if you have a toddler or this, but this is something I was not prepared for. Um, like just like a day, like it just, she went to bed sweet and woke up screaming. And she never screams like outside. It's like in stores. Like the other day she just stopped and was screaming in the middle of Trader Joe's and thought it was so funny. And my, mom, my wife was like, call me. She's like, I had to leave. Like, you got to go back. I had to leave. It was embarrassing. But she was like, she screams in the bathroom, like when it echoes in your ears, you know what I mean? Like, it just, she just screams. But I wonder, like, is that you when suddenly happens? Is that me? Do you just scream? You just paralyze and just, I just want to scream. Do you, do you have a tendency to say, well, I must have screwed something up? Maybe you're the person that when suddenly happens, you immediately assume that it was probably your fault and you had something to do with it. Man, there's, a, there's probably a reason why I'm in this situation that I'm currently in. Maybe, maybe you start to try to analyze and try to figure out, okay, now how can I, okay, if I save this much each month between now and then, like I can get back to where I was. Or if, or if we just like dig in a little bit, like our kids are gonna go back to school and I know we try to get them in there, but now they're online and like this whole, what do you do when suddenly happens? See, in Matthew chapter eight, this storm didn't tell anybody it was coming. This, the, the Bible says that this is a great 
tempest. And if you, if you dig into it a little bit, it is, it is clear. Matthew is trying to let us know that this is not a storm that you prepare for. Fishermen on the sea, people that understand how to do like, how to do sailing and how to navigate these things, they're not prepared for this. You don't learn this in school. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't learn how to get through these moments in, in life without going through them. This is a storm of epic proportions. This is, in fact, an extreme storm. There was no radar that said, hey, heads up, maybe get out of Dodge for a couple days because it's going to get rough. There was no, the, the, the storm didn't show any signs of like cloudiness and like, ooh, I wonder, is that one going to be hard? No, it just happened. And a lot of times in life, things just happen, don't they? They just kind of show up. 2020 just kind of happens. March kind of just happens, and now we're here, and it's, what do I, what do I do? What am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? How, how, how do I, how, how do I get, I didn't, I didn't plan to be here. I didn't, what do you do when, when suddenly happens? I want to give you four observations from Matthew chapter 8 about what to do when suddenly happens, and if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to take notes. You can look at it in the, in the YouVersion Bible app as well, but number one, the first observation, if you're taking notes, write this down. When you don't know what to do, don't panic, pursue. Don't panic, pursue. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23 through 25 says this. Now, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly, a great tempest arose in the sea, and so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then the Bible says in verse 25, then his disciples came and awoke him. Then his disciples came and awoke him. Have you ever, moms, you can probably relate to this, but we had this rule when I was growing up. Um, mom got a nap one day a year. Um, and every mom was like, yeah, I know, seriously, I need more. Uh, mom got a nap one day a year. It was on Mother's Day. And this is something we talked about, like the week leading up. Kids, Sunday, Mother's Day, yep, nope, no one's waking mom up. She gets a nap. And like, sure enough, we knew, like, again, I was a family, four boys, one girl, dad, the whole deal, dog, everybody. And um, so we knew if we were within five miles of the house, somebody was going to do something to wake mom up, right? Like, it was just going to happen. So we'd just leave. But there was this rule that, like, you do, you do not wake mom up. You just don't do it, right? Like, this is the day she hasn't had a nap in 364 days, <laughs> But today is her day, right? You don't wake mom up. In fact, there's a story that's basically like, maybe you've said this, unless somebody's bleeding or dying, don't open my door, right? And even then, maybe just like give it to the Lord. You know what I mean? <laughs> like even then, just because I probably won't be able to help anyways. But, but there's this, I, I wonder how many of us, and it's kind of funny and it's, it's for moms are like, yeah, seriously, like I wish that would happen. But I think the reality is that a lot of us kind of treat our, our, our relationship with the Lord kind of like that. We, suddenly happens, storms come up, and, and we start to question and analyze, well, should I have done something? Did, I, I don't know. Like, what if I do this? Like, how did I get here? This deal. And we have this tendency to think, ah, I don't want to bother God with this. And so what happens? We, we find ourselves in suddenly moments but in an effort to not bother God or wake him up, we just, I, I'm going gonna, 
I'm gonna do this on my own. I, I, I'm gonna get through this on my own, right? And, and honestly, the, the, the biggest issue with this is the fact that there are some little things that we did on our own and actually made it through. And so we feel like we can conquer anything. And then that suddenly moment happens and all of a sudden we, oh, I, I got this, right? Have you ever said that before? Like, I got this, I'll, I'll fix this. I, I, can, I can figure this out. But I wonder how many of us are, are maybe in a situation right now. Maybe you're, maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe suddenly has happened in your life. I think all of us could agree in some case or another, suddenly has happened this year, maybe even right now. And I wonder how many of us are missing out on peace we should be experiencing, hope we should be walking in, joy we should be experiencing because we don't want to bother God with our suddenly moment. What do you do when suddenly happens? Well, when you don't know what to do, you don't panic, you, you per pursue. Look at what Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. See the invitation from the Lord today to say, hey, if you're going through something, seriously, come to me. Like it's actually easier if you and I do this together. It's not going to make it like, like less, like it, it's still a storm. It's still difficult, but like, it's going to be better if we do this thing together. I remember I was, on a, I was on a road trip. This is pre-COVID, obviously, but we went to Vegas, me and a couple young adults, and we went to this conference up in Vegas. And, and I, I always get stuck being the driver. And we drove up there, and then we were driving back, and, and I was exhausted. And there was this moment where I was driving and starting to sway a little bit. And, and to be honest, I had that like eye shut, and you're like snap awake moment. And you're like, oh, I'm in the middle of the street. I should probably... I should probably, that line is there for a reason, right? And I like freak out and I, and I have two friends that are with me in the car and, and they're, they're obviously sleeping because they're great friends and they don't care to stay up and like help me get through this. But it's like 4 a.m. And, and I wake them up and I say, guys, like seriously, I, I, like, I don't care how tired you are. Like I've got, I've, it's like 40 degrees in the car. Like I've eaten every sunflower seed. I drank like three Red Bulls. And I'm like, I need you. Just stay awake. Talk to me, do something. And in a moment, there was like this second wind that I got. It just, I, I, just, I just stood up a little bit on the inside. Like I, I had a little bit more confidence, a little bit. It's like this second wind came back to me, all because I leveraged the people that I was with. All because I pursued the people that were in the car with me. I want to tell you, like when you don't know what to do, don't panic, pursue. Pursue God. Accept the invitation to come to him. Psalm 121 verse one through two says this, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. The psalmist is saying, I have, I have come to realize from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I wonder how much better life would be, how much easier it would be, how much more hope we would have if we realized that there is no other place where we can find help than in the Lord. Like you could try, but but your help is, is in him. The psalmist says, I, I've, I've concluded. I have come to realize that my hope, my help, everything I need is in him. But here, here's what I don't understand about Matthew chapter eight. Here's what I don't understand. Okay, they're on this, they're on this boat, this storm is coming and, 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 and many of them are fishermen and shouldn't they have known what to do? Shouldn't they have like known like, how to sail, like I don't know boats at all. 
Um, don't know how to work them. Don't know what to do, but I like riding on them. I like hanging out. But, but shouldn't they have like known how to navigate storms? Shouldn't they have known what to do? I, I wonder how, how many times even you and I in our life might, might resist or hesitate to bring God in and get God involved because we convince ourselves we should have known. I, I should have done better. I got myself into this situation, so I better get myself out. Have you ever said that before? It's that shoulda, woulda, coulda thing. We're like, man, I should be better. Ugh. And what do we do? We try harder. And what happens? I shoulda tried harder every single time. In fact, what I've realized is the harder I try, the worse things tend to get. The, the harder I try to do something on my own, to fix it on my own, to get through something on my own, to figure it out on my own, the more mess I, I make. But the disciples, we see that, that, that yeah, in my, in my head, I'm like, they should have known. But, but the thing that, that I realized is that they didn't, they didn't, they didn't panic. It might, it might look like they did, but, but we know what panicking looks like, right? I.e. Jonah, like they, he just dove. Like he just like, ah, I'm out. Right, like he just jumped the boat. That's probably what I would have done. I tend to be the more emotional one. Don't really think things through until I jump. And I'm like, ooh, gosh, that hurt. Um, but Jonah just like jumps, right? Like they, they don't jump. They don't like start chucking things overboard. No, they run to Jesus. I wanna encourage you until somebody here today, stop trying and start running. Stop trying, literally stop trying and start running. Don't run away, run to him, pursue Pursue, pursue, pursue. But what happens? We idolize strength, don't we? We have this way of idolizing strength, thinking that I can be strong enough to get through this. The second observation leads me to my second observation. Strength is simply weakness submitted. Strength is simply weakness submitted. Matthew chapter eight, verse 25, the Bible says this. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. <laughs> We're dying. This is not gonna work. We don't know what to do. I, I wonder how much better our relationships would be, our communities would be, if we said that a little bit more often. If we said, ah, don't know, no clue. If we admitted we're a little bit out of control. I wonder how much better our relationship would be if we said, uh, if we didn't try to posture ourselves like we're strong enough to, to get through everything. Because you know what I realized? I'm really not that strong. And I hear this the right way. Like, you're really not that strong. Like, I, we're not. We need, we need the Lord and we see these fishermen, we see these people. Guys, I mean, whether fishermen or not, like, they should have known, like, this is how you get around. Like, I don't go on boats now. Like, I drive a car. You know what I mean? So like if I'm on the boat, like that makes sense. You're like, oh, you're new. <laughs> but like they, they should have known, right? But we see in, in this moment that they, they've humbled themselves enough to say, Lord, I don't know. No idea. You want to know, know the people that we, um, that are, that, that's why like when somebody loses a job and they're like, I don't know. I'm just trusting the Lord. Like they're like weird to us, Right? Like, like that almost like, that's almost weird now because what do we normally do? Like, ah, oh, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna try to figure this out and then who knows, but like, I'm really trying to, I'm gonna put my head down and I'm gonna, 
That, that's normally how we try to get through things. But I wonder if we started boasting in our weakness a little bit more, how much better our communities would be. See, I've even noticed this with my own daughter um, where we start putting her to bed and she's two and she's like um, in this new like phase where she like tries to get out of going to bed and she has like 18 different things she needs to do before bedtime. It takes like an hour. And um, we've started this new thing where I'm like, hey, Soraya, like even my wife and I have to talk and be like, should we be saying this? Like, I don't, I don't want her to grow up thinking that like strength is the goal, right? Because we idolize strength in our community. That, that's what we say like, wow, you're so strong, right? Like you, you are so strong. And I, I found myself telling my daughter like, hey, Soraya, we're gonna go to bed. You're gonna be a big girl, right? Show me strong. And she'll go, strong. So like put her hands up, she'll go, strong. And I think so many of us try to go through life that same way, struggling with something, hit with suddenly, you're like, strong, be strong, be strong. 12, 15, 30, 50, 75, 80, strong, be strong, be strong. When in reality, true strength is simply weakness. Weakness submitted, weakness submitted. We, we idolize strength. When was the last time somebody said, hey, you know what? You know what I really admire about you? You're extremely impatient. You know, you get angry really fast. And I look up to that. <laughs> you know, you, you don't talk to people very well. I would love to be you someday. Like, like nobody says that. Literally, no, nobody says that. And if somebody's told you that, like, that's, I'm sorry. Like, that is, but nobody says that. What do we say? Oh, wow, you're so strong. You made it, you made it. And we, we almost convince ourselves that in order to be applauded, in order to be celebrated, in order to be approved, in order to be accepted, we must be able to do this on our own. Strong, 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 strong. We go through all of life trying to, uh, convincing ourselves that strength is the pursuit. That me, in my own strength, trying to figure this out, I should know this, I should do this, I gotta figure this out. Only realizing that that's actually never how you were designed to live. Look at, look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. Understanding that we're really, we're really not, that, not that strong. Look at what he says. He says, but he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So what do I do? I celebrate my weakness. I'm impatient. I have no clue not really smart enough to figure this out. I celebrate my weakness for when I'm weak. I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. I wonder what would it do for our communities? What would it do for our church, for our city, if we had less people pretending that they're strong and more people just admitting, I got no clue. I, you know what? I'm just, I'm just trying to follow Jesus. I, I get angry sometimes, I'm sorry. I, I'm impatient. I'm sorry. Like if we had more people walking around saying, I, I really don't, I really don't know. I, I'm in over my head. I need Jesus. I'm just trying to follow him. I'm sorry. Like, what would that do for our relationships and our communities if weakness was, was celebrated a little bit more? If I boast in my weakness a little bit more? See, because true strength is only experienced when you're willing to submit your weakness to the Lord. But if we continue to pretend like we're strong enough, we'll never experience his true strength. Third observation, third observation. Oh, excuse me, sorry, Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 41.10. Can we go, jump back to that really quick? Isaiah 41.10. The Bible says, do not yield to fear for I am always near. Never turn your gaze from me for I am your faithful God. 
I myself will infuse you with my strength and help you in every situation. I will hold you firmly with my victorious right hand. Could that be said of the way that we live our life? Submitting our weakness, receiving his strength. Observation number three, activate what little faith you do have. Activate what little faith you do have. Matthew chapter eight, verse 23 through 20, or verse 26 says this, why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. The disciples come to him and say, hey God, like we're falling apart. Like we can't do this, save us, help us. Like we can't do this. We are perishing. And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, why, why are you fearful? And as I was reading this, this past week, um, I felt like the Lord brought something out of this scripture that I've never, I've never read before. I've never experienced it this way before. And, and Matthew, this, this, this scripture is actually written in, in three, of the, three of the gospels. And, but Matthew is obviously trying to show us a perspective about this moment in time with the Lord. Uh, Matthew's trying to harp on one specific thing. In fact, what you'll realize is that the entire gospel of Matthew is written to reveal Christ as king, right? So the story is actually less about the storm and more about God himself. It's more about Jesus. It's more about you seeing who Jesus is. It's more about you understanding his character, understanding who he is. It's not actually about the storm. It's not actually about what you find yourself in because whether you find yourself in great moments or bad moments, Jesus is still him. He's still there. And so as I was reading this, I, I felt like the Lord said, hey, Isaac, you've been reading this wrong. You've been reading this wrong. And I think we give the disciples a lot of grief for their little faith, don't we? We, we, we always like, oh, you, and I've read this story a hundred times. I'm like, you idiots. Like, come on. Like if I was in that position, it makes sense. But like you're fishermen, you should know. Like, come on guys, like figure it out. Like Jesus is with you, right? Maybe have you said that? Like if I was, if Jesus was physically here, I would do better than this but they had him. And the Bible says, oh, you of little faith. And, and for so long, I've been like, come on, guys. And I think one of the things, to go back to point one really quickly, one of the things that, that keeps us from pursuing God in suddenly moments is this verse right here. Because we see, reread little faith and interpret it as, you guys are so, you, ugh, seriously, you dropped it again. We read it as if God is disappointed. We read it as if he's like, you, I can, I, mm, you guys are seriously killing me. Like you, I cannot believe you, right? Like we read it with that, I can't believe you again type of tone. I felt like the Lord said, Isaac, how do you, how do you respond to your daughter when she gets scared? See, I've never read this like a father before. I've never read this like a dad before. But Soraya is stepping out in her independence and she is trying to go, but she wants to do everything on her own. And, and there's these times when she'll get startled and she just stops. Like, she's like paralyzed. And then, then she'll turn and she'll run. She'll run to me. And honestly, I don't, I don't like that she's scared, but I love those moments. Or it's like kneel down and she runs up and jumps into my arms and I hold her and she nuzzles her head in my, in my shoulder. And I say, I say, Soraya, like, baby, what's wrong? What's wrong? What, why are you scared? Daddy's here. And I felt like the Lord said, that's exactly what I'm saying to you. I'm not disappointed in you. I'm not frustrated. I'm not angry with you that you had a little faith. See, the, the, if we can, just for a moment, the actual, the, literal, the Greek word used here literally translates to little faith. 
or of too little faith. Whether too little or of little, the reality is that they had a little bit. And, and I would like to encourage you and submit to you that your little is actually enough to see God move in your life. I think we, so often, we, we like, we like glamorize like these people that have like this massive amount of faith. And that's awesome. Like I'm all about like this journey of faith should continue to reveal God more to us. And we should be able to stand more confident in who he is and who we are. But the reality is whether little or a lot, he's with you. And a little is enough. My Bible tells me in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus says to him, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have his faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Little faith. But so often we're like, ah, I got a little, I can't, it's not gonna happen, I can't. But we see a little faith. In fact, the story just before this it's the story just before this and, and, and why I felt like the Lord was like, like Isaac, like read this as a father. It's because the story right before this, they, they, they hear, they, they experience Jesus perform this miracle. And, and the Bible says that this was a man of great faith. And so they go from great faith to little faith, but in both circumstances, Jesus showed up and moved. And I wonder, what if you don't need more faith right now? I mean, in reality, we all need more faith. But what if you just activated the little faith you did have? What if you just started stepping out in the little faith that you did have? Lost your job? Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but the Lord's there and he's gonna figure it out. Well, I'm just, I'm doing this with him. No clue. People are like, hey, like, but like financially, like how are you? And you're like, ah, yep, you're right. I, I have no clue. Don't know how to fix it. Actually quit trying. But the Lord, I don't know, but I'm just trusting. I'm just believing, don't know. What if we just activated the little faith we did have and stood back and watched the Lord show up in miraculous ways. Hear his heart today saying to you and saying to me, when suddenly happens, baby, why, why are you scared? Daddy's here. Daddy's here. Come here. Come here. I'm here. I'm here. What if, what if you chose today to see your suddenly moments and to see your heavenly father in those moments through that lens? How much more confidence, hope, joy, peace might you experience if you ran to him knowing his arms are open saying, come to me, inviting you, come, come to me. And you just activated the little faith that you do have. Point number four, and we're done. Remember even this, even this. What do you do when suddenly happens? You remember even this. The Bible says in verse 27, so the men marveled saying, who can this be? Even the winds and the sea obey him. See, in this moment, it's no longer about the storm. Soon as they realize that even this is no match for the majesty and the greatness of the Lord who is present with them, they immediately turn their attention from the storm to who must this be? Again, the whole point of Matthew's gospel is to reveal Christ as king and to say that, hey, whatever you're going through today, Jesus is enough. He's enough. It actually works better if you stop trying, start running. It works better if you submit your weakness, if you say, I, I don't know. And you give it to him because even this. They say, are you kidding me? See, until uh, this moment, they've, seen Jesus, they've heard Jesus preach. They've seen a paralytic walk. 
They have seen Peter's mother-in-law's fever gone in a moment, and they've seen a leper, a leper healed. But now, even this, even this, who is this man? It's Jesus. And he's with you. Look at what it says in Psalm 89, verse 8. Bible says this, so awesome are you, O Yahweh, Lord God of angel armies. Where could we find anyone as glorious as you? Your faithfulness shines all around. You rule over oceans and swelling seas. When their stormy waves rise, you speak and they lie still. I believe for some of you today, even this is your word. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're experiencing, but even this has to obey the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and has to bow to him. What do you do when suddenly happens? Do you try to fix it? Do you try to get through it on your own? Do you convince yourself you should know better? You should be better? You should do better? Do you try to posture strong, strong? Or have you convinced yourself that this is just too much? This is enough. See, the waves are covering them. And I feel in many, for many of you in this room, that's how you feel, covered, overwhelmed. Waves are too strong. But trust and know and believe and muster up any little faith you got and know that even this, even this. February 4th, 10 in the morning suddenly happened it was 210 my wife had been experiencing some pain since January 26th and uh, February 24th 210 in the morning I wasn't able to sleep and rolled over because my wife was struggling to, to breathe and she was as pale as I have ever, I have never, it, like it was ghostly, it was scary. It's the most scared I've ever been. And called the ambulance. She can't, she can't stand. She can barely keep her eyes open. I mean, it was, I have never been so terrified in my life. And rush the ambulance there. My daughter is sleeping in the other room. And only God, she didn't wake up the entire time. Paramedics flung the door open, rushed the gurney into our, into our little two-bedroom apartment, picked her up, put her on it. I wasn't able to go with her in the ambulance because my daughter was, was asleep. I called every person I knew. Finally, actually, Sam, uh, one of our staff, she, she answered the phone. She came to the house. She stayed at the house and some other people came to the house and, and watched Soraya so that I could go and get to the hospital to be with my wife. And uh, I called Preston and called everybody I knew. Get to the hospital and come to find out her appendix had burst 10 days earlier. And she was literally like being poisoned to death by her own body. And 
get there and the appendix immediately becomes the least of the concern. Like no one cares about her appendix anymore. It took a while to figure that out, but whole body full with poison and they trying to figure out what to do. She gets rusted into multiple procedures and I remember calling Preston and I sat on the phone for an hour with him while she's in getting these tests done and I feel like I didn't say a single word and and Preston, as you know, he's got a one-liner for me and that's what the Lord is saying. It was great and it was exactly what I needed but she goes through a five-hour plus surgery and Preston and Blake, they come and they, they sit with me in the hospital for five hours. Don't say a word. They bring food. They just, Holly dropped off milkshakes. And it, I mean, it was, just sat there five hours. We came into 2020. We were going to buy a house. We wanted to have a second kid. We had just talked to have a second kid. And in a moment, gone. In a moment, everything changed. What do you do when suddenly happens? Call to every person I knew. I started leveraging the relationships I had. And every single person, Preston, Blake, Sam, everybody that came into our life, like God showed up in meals, God showed up in people, God showed up in so many ways. But every single person spent up praying with me, everything, digging in, going into the, chasing after the presence of the Lord because it's all I had. I didn't know. I don't know what to do. 11 days we spent in that hospital. I slept in the bed next to her every single night. But I don't know what to do. I didn't know what questions to ask. I've never read more verses in my life. I've never prayed more. I've never prayed like that in my life. It's all I had. What do you do when suddenly happens? When everything you planned, everything you thought, everything you thought you could figure out is gone. What do you do? And here's the, here's the realization today. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. When suddenly happens, suddenly can happen. As quickly as that storm showed up, it was gone because of Jesus, because of Jesus didn't happen because they did better, they tried harder, they willed themselves, they were stronger. No. Didn't even happen because they had great faith. Happened because they had a little. Even this. Question you did, what do you do when suddenly happens? Even this, even this submits itself to our Lord. He's with you. He's here. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Today, the response is actually fairly simple. We're gonna spend some time in the presence of God because you know what? When suddenly happens, sometimes that's all we've got. And in reality, it's all we need. 
I know you probably came in here thinking that I was gonna give you four steps on like, hey, this will make it better. But it kind of all just kind of directs back to Jesus, doesn't it? Because he's it. It's the only answer, is the only hope, only joy, only peace. He is everything. And that's never been more true to me than this year, February 4th. I wonder today, I wonder today where you're at, what you're experiencing, what you're going through. What if you activated the little faith you did have and came to the conclusion that even this, even this, Maybe for you, there's a weakness that you've been trying to, you've been trying to figure it out. You've been trying to muster it up and it's time for you to just submit it to the Lord and say, God, I need your strength. Maybe you for so long have thought, I don't know if this can, I don't know if this is gonna change. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Lord, I don't feel like you're here. And today your word is even this, bows at the foot of our God. But whatever it is, the Lord is here. He's with you. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna stand and we're gonna worship together. We're gonna to respond to simply whatever the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, in your heart, in your mind right now. But we're gonna to run to him because when suddenly happens, it's the best place to be. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. You are here. Thank you for speaking to us, Holy Spirit. Thankful for your presence. God, feel tempted to say we've never need you more than we do right now, but the reality is we've always needed you this much. We're just now more aware of it. God, I thank you for your goodness and that you're with us. And I thank you for your heart. Come to me, you say. Today we do. I'm done trying. I'm done trying. I'm running to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? And as you stand, we're gonna lead and we're gonna enter in a time of worship. And I wanna encourage you, there's a moment just between you and the Lord. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And let's respond and run after him today. Can we do that? Come on, let's worship.
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.